Good morning. It is a blessing to be together this morning to, and worshiping our great God who created the world in six literal days. And when he did that, he also uh, spoke into existence the Grand Canyon, which some of you have had the privilege of standing next to and, and uh, being amazed by how large it is. I've never been there. I've seen some pictures of it. But they tell us that it would take 5.45 trillion cubic yards to fill it if you would want to fill the Grand Canyon. A triaxle dump truck is, holds about 12 cubic yards of stone, and so it would take 45 billion loads to fill the Grand Canyon. If you would take 100 loads a day, six days a week, and dump it into the Grand Canyon, it would take 1.44 million years to fill the Grand Canyon. Now the earth is some 6,000 years old, so if Adam would have had access to a triaxle and he would have started putting 100 loads every day into the Grand Canyon, we would still need another 1,434 1, million years to fill the Grand Canyon up. Something that God spoke into existence in a moment of time. If the earth would stand long enough, which it will not, that the Grand Canyon could actually be filled up with 100 loads a day of stone being dumped into it. And it would finally, you would reach a point where the Grand Canyon is full, and you would look back over the one, nearly 1.5 million years it took to do it, and you would compare that to eternity, it would be like one second of eternity and that's a poor illustration because eternity has no beginning, no, no end. It's just forever. The word eternal in Greek means perpetual. Time past, present, and time future, forever. And we as humans, uh, everything we know of is based on time and has a, has a beginning. We were born Everything has a beginning and it has an end. But one day, each one of us will be in eternity where there is no end. Absolutely no end. And that's hard for us to, it's hard for me to get my mind around that. But the Bible is very clear that that is, is, will be our destiny. And we will spend eternity in a perpetual forever. This morning I am... Uh, bringing to you the, the Winter Bible School topic that was assigned to me. And the title is Eternal Security, Conditional or Unconditional. And the title ends with a question mark, and it demands an answer, and we want to answer that question this morning. It, the title correctly suggests Eternal Security, Conditional or Unconditional, that there are two positions that people hold, and that is, is correct. Is the, is the question important enough that a believer should have a position? Uh, what do you believe is our eternal security? Is it conditional or is it unconditional? Or is the question irrelevant and simply doesn't matter? I believe it is a very serious question and I believe it does matter. Second Timothy says that we're to avoid foolish and unlearned questions. I don't, because they gender strife. This is not one of those questions. It is a question that we should all 
uh, know what, we, what the Bible teaches and know what we believe. In Romans chapter 1, in the 20th verse, it, t- it makes it very clear that man is without excuse concerning God's existence. Uh, even creation declares that there is a God. There is no excuse for any man to question the existence of God. God does exist, and, and uh, that's very clear. And then if you read in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it makes it very clear that we, are, that we were created by God in his image to live eternally. And there is something within the heart of man that knows that. And I acknowledge there's uh, professing atheists out there who claim they don't believe that. Uh, but I really believe that in a quiet dark evening when they're by themselves, I believe they also know that because I believe God put it there, put it within us. We know that there is life after death. Uh, we, we, we know that. We understand that. Even unbelievers who curse will take the name of God in vain and they'll, they'll, they'll use the word hell in their cursing and and it, there's something with, within mankind that be, we're made in the, in the image of God who is eternal. And there's something within us that knows we are an eternal being. We will live after physical death here on earth. There is an afterlife. There are two destinies. The Bible talks about heaven and hell. And we are, the Bible is very clear that we are born with a sin nature and we are destined to hell unless we repent of our sinful nature and uh, receive Jesus Christ into our life and put our, our belief and trust in him. Uh, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the word believeth is, means to surrender to, to put our faith in, to trust him and to obey him. And then we go to the book of 1 John, and it tells us, it's uh, scripture in 1 John tells us, makes it very clear that when we are a born-again believer, when we put our faith and trust in, in Christ Jesus, we become a child of God, and that the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our heart and assures us that we are a believer, assures us that we will spend eternity with God in heaven. So the question we're grappling with, with this message title, is is that initial confidence we receive as a believer, our assurance of heaven, is that something that is secure and it's unchangeable, uh, it's unconditional, or is it something that is conditional? There are, there, there's a part that we have a part to uphold in the agreement or in the, the salvation experience. When you think of security, uh, it's, it's very important. We as humans all long for security. We want to be secure. I am not afraid, necessarily afraid of height, and yet I have a great respect for height. Uh, I love to be on top of a mountain as long as I'm secure. And generally speaking, on top of a mountain, you're very secure. 
Uh, but when I was farming, we had a concrete silo that was 92 foot in height. And a few times a year, I had to crawl that thing on the outside, which I did, but I never looked forward to it. Oh, I get to crawl, I get to climb up the silo today. Uh, it was, I, I don't, I'm not that fond of height. But I, I recall looking at that structure and saying, this is a concrete silo, it's not, it hasn't fallen over any time, and I don't expect it's going to fall over today, and I can be pretty secure crawling this silo. But, and I, I generally felt that way, but yet there was always some, you knowing you're off the ground, you're that high in the air. But there's one thing I learned early on, and that was that when you're crawling the silo, if it's a beautiful day and there's clouds in the sky, you don't look up at the sky. You don't do that. Because you see those clouds going and it gives you the feeling that the silo's falling over. And it, it, it takes all, your security is instantly gone. And it, it's frightening. And so you don't do that. You simply crawl the silo and you mind your own business. Don't look at the sky. We want to feel secure. And being unsecure is a very unsettling feeling. And I want all of us who are born again to have a secure feeling uh, about our salvation and about our eternal destiny. And as does God, and the scriptures, I believe, lay it out very clear that, and we can be secure in our salvation and, and in our eternal destiny. Most professing Christians are taught and believe that our eternal security is unconditional. Uh, I believe by far the vast majority uh, adhere to Calvinistic teachings and, and they are very, very strong in this point that when once saved, always saved. When you're born again, it's unconditional. There's nothing you could ever do that you won't end up in, in glory with, with Jesus. They're very sincere, but they are sincerely wrong. Anabaptists and there's a few other groups, I think of the, the Church of Naz the Nazarenes uh, adhere to the same position that we hold to as, as Anabaptists, that our salvation is conditional. And we want to look at that this morning. And I have the Beacon Bible Commentary, which is written by the Church of the Nazarene, and it's interesting. I use that commentary sometimes, and it just comes through in their teachings that that is, that is their position. Many times we as Christians are mocked uh, or uh, questioned about our belief that eternal security is, is conditional, and you'll hear people make comments uh, like there are actually people out there that believe that you could lose your salvation. Uh, somebody told me that just recently Nancy Lee DeMoss on a radio program made that very statement. You know there's really people out there that believe that you could lose your salvation. Sometimes we're referred to as flat earthers, like we're totally out of touch on this subject. Well, the Bible is very clear. What's important is what the Bible really teaches and what is truth. In just very easy-to-understand language, I want to describe the two different positions, and then we'll get into the Scripture. 
and, uh, and look at what the Bible has to say. I believe that, that the, these two positions are, are so clear. The Bible makes it crystal clear. It's not even close to, ha- to having a... I can't, in studying the scriptures, I can't even come close to believing that, there, that unconditional eternal security would be something that is taught by the Bible because it simply is not. Let's first of all look at conditional security. Uh, we are very secure after we're born again. Our, our eternal destiny is very secure as we love, follow, and practice the teachings of Jesus. Not in perfection. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes sometimes, but we have a heart that is bent towards God and we are living a life that is controlled by God's Spirit. And as we do that, we are secure. Let me explain. Uh, well, let me say this first. We cannot lose our salvation. However, we can discard it or we can fall away from it is the position of conditional security. Unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Uh, early on in my Christian life, I would listen to some Christian radio, and I was fascinated by this uh, man that was, was, had a radio program. His name was Steve Brown. He was a Presbyterian, and he had a very deep voice, and he would explain the Bible and, and, and uh, what have you. And he would take call-in questions in his one program. I forget if you called the question in or if you actually wrote it. Maybe you wrote, wrote him and asked him a question, and he would respond to the questions on air. And I was amazed that how often and how many of the questions would center around this subject. People kept calling in all the time and asking questions. And they would, they would have questions similar to this. Uh, my husband left me and my children. He abandoned us and he's living a, a life of sin. And is, if he dies, will he go to heaven? And people would call in and say, my mother's on her deathbed, and she's an alcoholic, uh, and she's always angry, and she's cursing at me. Uh, If she dies, will she go to heaven? Uh, My son has not showed any interest in spiritual things for many, many years, and has just uh, died in an automobile accident. Is he in heaven, Steve? And Steve would practically always respond the same way. He would say, well, are you sure they were born again? And if they would say, well, yeah, they, you know, they, they had an experience with the Lord, and there's no question they were born again. And then he would say, well, can a baby discontinue being a baby? They were born again, and so they're, they're a, a new creation in Christ. Of course they're in heaven. But it seemed like people had trouble believing that because the questions kept coming. And one day, uh, Steve was, it seemed like he had another one of these questions, and he had a Solomon moment. You know, you get to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, and Solomon says, now let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Well, it seems like Steve Brown had one of those moments, and he said, listen. He said, I want to be perfectly clear how this works. If a Christian show, if a person is born again, and they show no interest in God for many, many years, they leave their family, they live a wicked life, and they dry as, die as a drunkard in the ditch, they're going to heaven. And I was like, whoa, there is just, there is something, there is something horribly wrong about this. I, I turned the radio off. That's it. I don't, I, I don't need to, there, there's just, we, you just know 
that there is something wrong with that picture. It cannot be accurate. It cannot be true. But that's the position of unconditional eternal security. And that's the is is what they teach. And it's the if you take the teaching to the very end, why that's exactly where they were at. I want to be also clear about something this morning. I believe that there are many people in I believe there are many people in heaven who were taught and believed in unconditional eternal security. And if they live their life devoted to the Lord, uh, it, that believing, that teaching is not necess- will not keep a person out of heaven. But I also believe that there are people who are not in heaven, who will not be in heaven, because they believed in this erroneous teaching that is not correct. And let me give you an example. Uh, as, as Christians, we are all enticed by Satan with sinning, with wickedness, with whatever it might be. And the spirit that lives within us says, no, don't do it. This is not right. You know what the Bible teaches. Don't do it. But if, if you believe this teaching, you can say, you can, reason, you can reason away the, the evil of, of, fall, of giving into sin by saying, well, what difference does it really make? I can enjoy the sins, the pleasures of sin, for as many years as I want. I know I've been born again, and I'll go to heaven. I won't, I'll lose my rewards. They're very clear. You'll, you'll lose your rewards, maybe, or a lot of your rewards, but you will go to heaven. And so... This teaching can entice a person to fall away, from Je- fall away from scriptural teachings, fall into sin, because in the end, what does it really matter? And that is the danger of this teaching. And I believe it's sad to say that uh, many people have, have reasoned away, living a faithful life to Jesus, saying, what will it really matter? Now, let's go to 2 Peter and I'm not going to spend a lot. Of, we'll touch a little bit on, on uh, the verses where they, they get their belief or where they really center on when they talk about unconditional eternal security. I'm going to focus mostly on what the Bible says about our uh, security. And first of all, and I want to look at a few different areas in the Bible and get us to thinking and the other thing I want to say is that when, when we understand the truth of what the Bible teaches regarding our eternal security, and that we are secure, but it's conditional, and as you're reading through the Bible, it's amazing how many, just as I was studying for this, and in my daily devotions and reading the scriptures, it's amazing how often you come across portions of scripture that is like, oh, there it is again, here it is again. The language that the Bible uses is very clear that we are eternally secure. However, it is conditional. It is weaved through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In 2 Peter, we just want to look at what the the apostles thought about this subject. And we're going to look at Peter and Paul. We are in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Notice the language. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Notice that Peter says, it is very, why would he even write this if it were not possible to fall away from your steadfastness? And he also brings out here that there are people that rest with the scriptures and don't understand some things. And I would just like to make the point that in, in your Calvinistic teachings who are str so strong on unconditional eternal security, there are other things such as divorce and remarriage and many other things that they also are very wrong in. It's not only this one area, but in, in, in this area it's, that, we're, that we're focusing on today, it's very clear what Peter believed. And as you read through the writings of Paul, it's very clear what he believed. Now, when I say from, from Genesis to Revelation, just to, to get that picture, let's go to Genesis and chap the very uh, first chapter, the fourth verse in the first chapter, and notice what the scripture says. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4, and God saw the light, that, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And the Bible is so clear that God divides light from darkness. And that is our God. That's what he does. Uh, light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. And heaven is not, going to, is not a place where darkness can exist with the light that is there. Now let's go to, to Revelation and the very last chapter of Revelation, Revelation uh, chapter 22. And let me start reading at verse, verse 10. Revelation 22, 10. And he, he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Notice the connection between doing his commandments and entering into the gate through uh, into the city. Now, let's go to ground zero in this teaching, which is in 
John, the Gospel of John, and chapter 10. And here is where uh, our people, our friends that hold the unconditional eternal security position most times will go. John chapter 10 and verses 28 and 29. And these are the words of Jesus. And verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And you could take those two verses and you could build a case for unconditional eternal security. However, uh, to build that case, you, must, you can't take into consideration the verse that comes prior, which is verse 27, which makes it very clear. Verse 27 says, my sh and this is the condition, it says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so for the sheep that know Jesus and are hearing his voice, listening to the Spirit, and are following Jesus, our eternal uh, destiny is very, very secure. Very secure. There's nothing uh, that, that's insecure about it. It's very secure. But to take those two verses uh, uh, without taking into consideration to verse 27, the 27th verse is not being fair to the scriptures. And it is, the Bible, I believe, is very clear that it is conditional. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, which I believe is, is very important in understanding this. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, and just want to look at uh, the ninth verse. Hebrews 5, 9 says, uh, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now to chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, uh, very important portion of scripture in understanding our eternal security and that it is conditional and how it's possible that someone could be born again and not uh, go to heaven because of falling away from their relationship with Jesus. Chapter 6 of Hebrews says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and a laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, these verses are so clear that the writer of Hebrews is talking about someone who has been born again. They have the Holy Spirit. They, are, they have tasted of the power of God. And uh, so clear that it's talking about someone who has been born again. 
And then you come to verse 6 and it says, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receive blessing from, the, from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And I'll stop reading there. Let me paraphrase, put this portion of scripture into, into my own words. And that is uh, that when a person is born again, and we... We receive the Holy Spirit. We are eternally secure. However, it is conditional. The scripture here makes it very clear. Why would the Bible even say, if they shall fall away, if it's not a possibility? We know it's a possibility. And the Bible's clear that it's a possibility. And this scripture is, is rather alarming because it says that if a person falls away, it's impossible that they would ever be renewed again. Now, I believe that, and, and the Bible's clear, that a person that blasphemes the unpardonable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, is unforgivable. The Bible teaches us that. But I believe that as Christians, I know that we all sin from time to time, and we don't go from being uh, born again. Now you, you say something that's not quite accurate, or you, you say an unkind word to somebody, you're not suddenly... Uh, not born again. No, we're born again. And the Spirit speaks to us and we repent daily of things and, and we are following the Lord. We're growing into his likeness as we live our Christian lives. However, for a person that falls away, God is gracious. He's full of mercy. He keeps calling them back to himself. But this scripture teaches us that there is a time there is a line that a person can cross that only God knows where they are no longer a saved individual. And that might be on a, per a person's deathbed. It might be prior to them being on their deathbed. Uh, we don't know. But this portion of scripture, I believe, is very clear that that is what happens. And it's important that we know that and we understand that. God is full of mercy. He's calling people back to himself. But the person that rejects that and rejects the Spirit time and time and time again, there will come a time when they cross a line where uh, they are no longer uh, heading for an eternity with Jesus. Let's go to... 1 John. First John and chapter 5, verses 10 through 13. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record 
that God hath given to us eternal life. Now, catch this next phrase. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. An illustration that I would like to share this morning that I believe explains this, and I know all illustrations break down someplace, but to me it helps me understand our position of conditional eternal security. Most of us are are familiar with, and those of us who aren't will be someday most likely, with a real estate transaction. And there's basically five steps to a real estate transaction. Uh, You look at a property, and especially if a realtor has it, I'm thinking of it from that perspective this morning, and this is how they generally deal with a real estate transaction. So you, a property's listed for sale. You go and you look at it, and you make an offer. You do your haggling or whatever, and, and your offer's accepted. And the very first thing that happens is there's an agreement drawn up. You draw an agreement up. The next thing that happens is there's down money. You have to put down money on it. You generally 10% sometimes 20%. And then there's a window of time. There's a time of preparation for all the legal documents to be drawn up, oftentimes three months, sometimes half a year, maybe a year, or there's a, but there's a time element in there, which I simply refer to as a time of preparation. And then settlement is drawing nigh. Settlement's going to be on Monday morning or whatever. And then the real estate agent will generally say this. They'll say, would you like to have a walkthrough of the property prior to settlement? And in most cases, people will say, yeah, I want to do a walkthrough of the property. The last time you you looked at the property was three months ago. uh, And you're assuming it's in the same condition it was when you bought it. But who knows? Uh, It was not under your control. It was under the control of the person who's selling the property. And so you you go do a walkthrough. Yeah, the furnace is still working. The roof's not leaking. And it looks pretty much like it looked three months ago or half a year ago. And you go to settlement, and you have what we call final settlement. The papers are all signed and sealed and delivered, and you walk out of the attorney's office, and you're the new owner of the property. I'd just like to relate that to our Christian experience. Uh, Agreement signed, a full surrender to the Lord Jesus, Uh, born again. We we surrender ourselves to Jesus. We invited him into our life to be our Lord and Savior, and he comes and he does that. And to show his seriousness... He, he gives us a down payment. And the down payment is the Holy Spirit moves in, takes up possession. And we, we have to be right in our thinking. We have to remember that we are the purchased possession of God. You know, there's 59 verses in the Bible that refer to us being the, maybe not in using these exact words, but refer to us being the purchased possession of God. We're not, we're not purchasing heaven. God's purchasing us. He bought us with his blood. We are blood-bought saints. 
He, he, is, he has purchased us. And the down payment that we receive is he sends a third of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to live in, in our hearts and to guide us and direct us in life. And now there's a time of preparation. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's off preparing. You and I, when we were born into his kingdom, it doesn't matter how old we were, we were babes in Christ. And the portion of scripture I read in Hebrews refers to us uh, leaving the, the doctrines and principles of baptism and what have you and growing in our Christian lives. And so in this time of preparation, we are maturing. Good things are happening in our lives. We are becoming, we're going from being a baby in Christ to being a mature Christian. We are growing up. Wonderful things are happening. And now we come to the end of our life, whether it's as a young person, whether it's two days after we, we became a Christian, or whether it's 60, 70 years later. We come to the, to the time of, of meeting God, and God gets to do a walkthrough. Now remember that during this time of preparation, God, had the down, God has the down payment on his purchased possession, but we're in control of it. We're in control of our life, so to speak. We can either resist the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit or obey the Holy Spirit. It's, we are still a creature of choice. And God gets to do the final walkthrough. And all illustrations break down. God knows everything. He doesn't have to do a walkthrough. But for the sake of illustration, he gets to do a final walkthrough. And to see if his purchased possession is what it was when the agreement was signed. And he's actually expecting it to be much better. He's expecting us to have grown and to matured in our Christian life. But if he does that walkthrough and he says... Whoa, this is a, now I'm dealing with a drunkard in the ditch. No, I'll forfeit my down payment. This is not what we agreed upon. The same as a buyer that's buying, purchasing a property in the walkthrough has the right to say, no way. This is not what I bought. You didn't take care of this place. The roof is leaking. The furnace is shut. The windows are broken. And sorry, this is, this is not what we agreed on. Another example in the scriptures on with that our eternal security is conditional, and for the sake of time, we won't turn there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, read verses 1 through 13, uh, describes the, the children of Israel, and they are a type to us they, it tells us there in 1 Corinthians, they are, they are an example to us. They were delivered from bondage. They were delivered from Egypt. They went into the wilderness, that time of preparation, on their way to the promised land. And they fell, tragic fall, there in the wilderness. And what did God say? Only Caleb and Joshua will enter the promised land only and the innocent ones and so and the apostle paul says in first corinthians it's, this is an example for you 
And so, very clear, very clear typology that if we are overthrown by Satan in our in the wilderness or in our life, that we will not enter the promised land. And lastly, I'd just like to make a I just like to appeal to as we think about this, I just want to think about just a little bit of common sense. We're made, we're made in the image of God. And so we think like God thinks. We, uh, we're not God, but we're, we're made in his image, and we, we have the same emotions that he has. We think like God thinks, to, at least to a degree. And those of us who are parents, if, we had a, if one of our children came to us and they said, you know, I'd like to enter into a courtship relationship with this boy or girl, and we all do our due diligence and and uh, check them out. We ask a lot of questions, and the first question generally is, are you sure they're a believer? And, you know, it's, we, we do our homework, and then when we feel perfectly comfortable, we say, sure, we would be happy if you, you would be in a courtship relationship with this person. We're, we're good with that. We give our blessing. Whether it's two days before the wedding and preparations are being made for the wedding, if we would get evidence that this person has not been faithful in the courtship relationship and they have a relationship with somebody else or they've fallen into sin and it's really awful, we would, would we say to our son or daughter, oh, go ahead with the wedding. I'm sure they'll change afterwards. They deserve a... No, we would say, call the wedding off. Call it off. This cannot happen. This may not happen. You will live a life of regret if you go through with this, you must, we must call the wedding off, regardless of the embarrassment that would involve or whatever. As parents, that's the way we would look at it, and it's the same way that God looks at it. We are the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are engaged to him, and God has no desire for his son to marry an unfaithful individual. And so just common sense teaches us that God would not allow that to happen. I have one more verse, and I'm finished. Let's go to Jude, the book of Jude. I say one verse, two verses, actually. Like I said, this teaching is, is so clear. It's throughout the entire scripture as you read the Bible. And I, I don't want us to go away from here this morning with any uh, level of the only way I want you to feel unsecure about your eternal destiny is if you're living in sin. Then I want you to be very have a feeling of insecurity and I want you to come back to uh, a, a relationship with with Jesus Christ and a listening, uh, listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit and the scriptures because as we do that, we have every reason to feel fully secure and to know that Jesus would never, re never reject his bride because there's no reason to. We did our utmost in living for him and we love him and are following him uh, as, as we live our Christian lives. And here we are in, in the book of Jude, and just another example 
of, uh, of this teaching, which is so clear. And in the last two verses in the book of Jude, we have benedictory prayer. And I'm going to have us all stand as I, as we, as I read these two verses, as we, get, as we pray this prayer, and think about the two verses. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence this morning, and we thank you for the Bible, which is so clear in this teaching of, of our security as far as our uh, eternal destiny. And it's so important. Lord, eternity is forever, hard for us to comprehend. And this is one thing we want to have right. And the Bible makes it so clear that we are eternally secure. And we're, we're so thankful for that. We, we thank you for that, Lord. And we appreciate it. And just help us to, to live lives that are pleasing to you, that we keep our part of the agreement that we made when we were on our knees and uh, asking you, begging you to come and to save us from our sinful nature. And we, we appreciate that you did that. And we know that uh, when we committed ourselves to you, that part of our agreement was that we would live for you and that we would reject sin and live our lives in a, in a way that would be obedient to the scripture and pleasing to you. And I just ask that you would continue to uh, bless us with that secure feeling as we live each and every day for you. And as we notice in this benedictory prayer, again, the possibility that we could fall away, help us, Lord, to, to know that and to understand that and to have our guard set up so that this never is our lot in life, that we never fall away from this grace and from the salvation that we have experienced. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen.